Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. And you're going to be able to say at some point, now it's not going to do any good if you're talking about the NBA playoffs, but if you're in a crowd with horse race people, you say, yeah, here, I was at this one. Shut up and walk. And that's what you're able to do. It's... Sports writers live for this. I had Reggie Jackson's three home runs. What did you have? Shut up and walk. (laughs) This is General George Washington, and you're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. I got very excited about that. I really did. That must have been very meaningful to me, because that was my life as a sports writer. Did you go to this one? Sure. Did you go to this one? You came back to that line a few times. Yeah, I liked it. I'll do it again sometime, but... Only when I forget that I've done it before, and I'll think it's very original. So what games do you have in your back pocket? That's what I would say to somebody. You know, what was your career like? Where did? What do you got? You got the Flutie game? Really? You got the Leitner game? You got Reggie Jackson? You got Carl Lewis and Ben Johnson? You don't have those, really. You know what you can do. From Carl and us, we go New York. Here is a reminder that Sunday night's full moon is very special. It will coincide with a full lunar eclipse. Various stages of the eclipse will occur between 9.30 and 2.50, with totality beginning at 11.29 p.m. I realize this might be past your bedtime, but perhaps you can stay awake to see at least part of it. This is about as good as it gets for us. Unfortunately, Uranus will be setting about the same time as the sun, so you will not be able to see it with the moon. Ironic, I know. (laughs) It's a wonderful email. That's the worst possible time for me, 9.30 to 2.50. That's tough. If it it ended at 4.50... I'd be up to watch it. Sure. Yeah, that's a tough time for me. But I'm sure there'll be a photo of it. Well, let's see if Chessie gets sick and you're up anyway. I hope that doesn't happen. Um, Chris from New Jersey. Chris Legentil, that's what it looks like, says, Hi, Tony. As a lifelong Steelers fan living in Jersey, getting my news on the team wasn't always the easiest. But as newspapers began to put their content online, I felt like I had uncovered a treasure when I was able to start regularly reading Ed Bouchette at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. As I came to find out, he was a deserved local legend. I remember Ed was once asked in a chat about national NFL broadcasters, and he mentioned his respect for you, as you would reach out to him when covering a Steelers game to get the latest from the people who covered day in and day out. Last week, Ed announced his retirement after 50 years in newspapers and 36 covering the Steelers. I wonder if you had a couple of words about Ed, how you knew him, and your thoughts on people who dedicate decades to a single beat, especially in a small city where the football team is the talk of the town. Ed Bouchette was on this program in its various iterations many, many times. Totally trust Ed Bouchette. I mean, when I was doing Monday Night Football, he was one of the guys I would call. When I went to a city and I knew a writer, I called the writer. I didn't call the local TV people. I just didn't. I called the writers who lived with the teams all the time. And invariably, they gave me things that other people didn't know. And Ed Bouchette was one of those people. I mean, there's a list of 20 guys that I could tell you about. But, you know, I wish Ed Bouchette all the best in retirement. He's my age, and he's been around a long time, and he's really good. Yeah. He's really good. Um, Speaking of sad news, not that retirement is sad necessarily, Bob Lanier has passed away. Bob Lanier, whose nickname was Bobadob. Bob was enormous. He, he had the biggest feet in the history of the world. He had, like, size 21 shoes. He went to St. Bonaventure. He played in, in the NBA for many, many years, mostly with the Detroit Pistons. At one point, he played for my friend Herb Brown. And at one point, he played for my friend Dick Vitale. Uh, they knew Lanier very well. He's, he's in the Hall of Fame. He's a great player, left-handed shooter, big, strong, tough guy. Don't, I don't have any details about what happened. But Bob Lanier, I can't even imagine we wouldn't do a melancholy 
trails to Bob Lanier today. Yeah. Can't even imagine it. I mean, Bob Lanier was a major player in the NBA and a very nice guy. A very nice guy. Other news. Tom Brady getting $275 million to be the lead guy on Fox. This is a couple of things should be said here. One is that I don't really think Tom Brady's going to be very good at this. He's not a critical person. He, he, he's been in the league 25 years. He yells at teammates. He yells at coaches. But after the game, he never, ever says a bad word about anybody. I don't know that he'll – I don't think he's Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning, to me, would be the gold standard if you could get him in the booth. I don't think Tom Brady is that. I don't, you can't turn down $275 million. Right. But, gosh, I, I mean, I, I understand why Fox gets him. They've already gotten $100 million worth of publicity by doing it. It just seems odd to me that Tom Brady would say, yeah, that's what I want to do. I don't, I don't figure Tom Brady in that genre, really. I don't. And, and here's another thing. Fox lost its main people. Joe Buck and Troy Aikman just went to ESPN. Fox has to come up with a main crew. My understanding is Kevin Burkhart is going to be the main play-by-play guy. I don't know that they've named an analyst. But if you're named that analyst, you've already been told the day that Brady retires, you're out on the street selling pencils. I just... Right? Well, it's just odd for someone who for so long, and particularly with the Patriots, kept everything so closed-mouthed and, and had that reputation. So you don't really know what side of the personality you're going to see. I mean, you've sort of seen some of these documentaries or miniseries that he's been involved in the production where you're getting closer to what might be the Tom Brady. But you don't... Is it just that you're willing to pay that much money for the face, for the name, for the winning? And then you start to look, who do you pair him with? Uh, you know, if you could have paired him with someone who's been there for every game on CBS along the way, maybe you could bring out a little bit more. But I just find it a little bit odd. You've never really seen behind the face. So I've spoken to Brady a bunch in my life, and he's smart, and he can be funny. I just don't think he's – I don't think – this is something that he's going to really like. Now, maybe I'm wrong. Now, I've seen him in these golf matches, and he's more talkative than I thought he would be. More talkative when he decides to be. It's still right. on his terms. Yeah, this is you got to talk pretty much about football every play. That seems to be the job. So it's a little surprising. Why would they want him? Because he's the biggest name in sports. He's the biggest name. Michael Jordan, Tom Brady is the biggest name. Yeah. So, I mean, I get it. I'm just a little bit surprised. And it's a tremendous amount of money. The money can't be real. Then nobody really knows what the money is. Well, it's money just and, being reported. Money and time. What if it doesn't work out? Yeah, well, you, you know, Joe Montana went in the booth right away and knew he wasn't very good at it right. and walked. Yeah. He said, it's not for me. I'm not good at it. Don't want to do it. Uh, by the way, I see an update. It actually 10 year. $375 million. Yeah, okay, yeah. $37.5 million a year to do 18 games. Seems like a lot. Yeah. It just seems like a lot. For a guy who just wanted to spend more time with his family. He doesn't need any money, right? He wants to be with his family. He's going to bring the family along, I guess, on a bus. I guess that's what he'll do. I mean, he doesn't... His wife makes $100 million a year. Yes. He doesn't need any money. He's got all the money. What did Bruce Springsteen say? You know, you can't tempt me with money because, baby, I got plenty of that. <laughs> they got so much money, it doesn't really matter. Michael... 
Yes. You had uh, the occasion yesterday to play in a charitable golf event. Tell us about it. Yes. Yeah, so everyone knows that I'm involved with the first tee of Greater Washington, D.C., and one of our big spring events is a pro-am that takes place at Argyle Country Club. And uh, what's so nice about this is I play in a in a group that's mostly filled up by first tee sort of uh, you know connected people. So our executive director, Clint Sanchez, we had Tony Cavanaugh, who really needed a good day in the golf course because he had spent a lot of time at the downtown at the Cap Center watching watching uh you know, watching the Panthers pull the, pull the goalie in the last three minutes. Uh, and we had a beautiful day. Our our pro was Steve Delmar, who we we see Love in Columbia, Delmar. who has a great playing career. And what's cool about this is you get to see some of the core values of the first tee in action. We were talking about, you know, perseverance, sportsmanship, integrity. The pros have a professional purse at stake. And normally when you have some sort of charity event, it's more of a hit and giggle. People are given putts four and five feet. You don't really trust the number at the end of the day. But for us, you get to see a pro who's balancing the act of trying to persevere, trying to post a number. And, and he, I believe he was able to post a good enough number, uh, which is a little bit better than the first time we played together. We always like to remind Steve that he had zero birdies uh, at Argyle that, that day a few years back. But uh, our group, we went out. We, uh, we posted some good numbers ourselves. I believe we came in first in the sort of amateur portion. How'd you do? You know, it's weird because you're, you're taking one ball gross, one ball net, and I'm in this gray area where you really could take my ball gross every hole until you start to pair me with Delmar, who's, you know, <laughs> you could take his ball really every hole. So, no, we our team is designed to win because if you're taking his, say, gross three, you can still take my, you know, my net score on the hole uh, just relative to my handicap. But uh, the high and low for me as I'm opening the playbook here would be on the 12th hole. It's a downhill par five. Uh, you know, I had a five iron into the green. There's a pond to the right. So I, I just miss it a little bit left. I'm in a greenside bunker. I don't know if you know this. I switched out some wedges. So I, I have these new, new level wedges, great looking grinds, but I realized I've never hit one out of a trap before. Oh, so I've all of a sudden got about a 45, uh, 45 foot runner downhill with water behind. I, I don't necessarily know how the bounce, how the leading edge is going to interact with this, with this sand right now. So I, I quietly go back to the bag, and I've done something I've never done before. Took your old wedge? No, I putted out of a bunker. You putted out of a bunker? Putted out of a bunker. The lip would not The lip had a perfect you? little roll-up with, okay. uh, with the sand. I putted out of the bunker and, and sheepishly had to look at my playing partners. Of course, one is a pro who sees exactly <laughs> what I'm doing and immediately makes fun of me. Right. But sure? I got it up and down. Okay. So got it up and well, down. That's all that matters, right? Saved the birdie. So you had a good time? We had a good time. And, and Clint, we did the one thing you can't do. You won the event. Yeah, the guy who's the head of the, of the entire organization. Did you get uh, glassware? No, I, I think there's probably some, you know, probably some gifted prizes that we'll hand out to, uh, okay. you know, to various kids. But what's cool is they always bring out one or two kids from the first tee. You get to see them in action. They introduce themselves. This is a to benefit you. event. It, this is not, yeah, it, it's not like there's a thousand kids there. This is no, people and pay we saw, money to play. In we this. saw uh, one young man who who. Took the day, half a day off of school, and was hitting shots with every group. And to see, to see those um, values in action with the kids is awesome. Uh, Argyle's never looked better. The fairways were really pure, and the pro Kevin Taylor had a hole in one. Oh, that's great! Tough wow. pin on did he seven. win? A, did he win a car? Oh gosh, I don't know. Was, was there a car sitting there? There, there was, was no car sitting well, there. Then he so didn't I, win I, it. I have a feeling he didn't. I didn't, <laughs> didn't win, win the it. car then. Okay. <laughs> um, Nigel, big nose Kate whiskey. Who? Where do we get that? That's good. It is good. Who's the guy? The uh, guy's a off, little? Off the top of my head, I can't remember. But he's his a name. little, right? Yes, he is a little. Would you like That's it? the stuff that's made in, in New Mexico, I believe. I believe it it's is. It's pretty yeah. good. Yeah. 
Um, I threw a bottle down last night. I mean, you know, <laughs> this would be Kevin, I mean, like, Kevin Burke, I believe. Kevin Burke. Thank so, you. It's really um, good. yeah. What do you need? Another? I, I believe I have a spare bottle. Oh yeah, then give me. There's yours. no spare for you. That's Tony's bottle. <laughs> yeah, that's well. That's more accurate way of putting it. Yes. Uh, as long as we <laughs> talked about golf, let's get to a news event in golf. The PGA Tour has declined the request of whomever made the request that they be allowed to play in the Saudi Golf League event in London, Sergio. Right. Now, I don't think that the PGA Tour cares at all if Ian Poulter or Lee Westwood or even Sergio Garcia leaves. They don't care. I don't think they care if Kevin Na leaves. I don't think they care if Bubba Watson leaves. I I don't think they care. I think they care about DeChambeau and Kepka and Rory and Dustin Johnson and Justin Thomas. I think they care about that and Victor Hovland and Colin Morikai. I think they care about them. Okay, Scotty Scheffler, if I didn't mention him already. They care about them. But fancy lawyers who I know seem to think that this you can't do this. It's not going to stand in court. That the PGA Tour does not have the authority to say to golfers, if you go somewhere else, you can't come here. There are people I know who would like to take that case. I'm not a lawyer. I'm a doctor, as everybody knows. I'm not a lawyer. I don't know how this works. But I think that somewhere down the road, and I'm going to ask you this, Michael, there's going to have to be sort of a coexistence with a variety of golf tours. Because how can you say this to a player, a golfer? They care about money. I can't speak to that from a legal standpoint. I, I've been reading the same things. They, they probably don't have the ground to stand on. Yeah. What happened with the golf circles is a lot of people thought they'd grant the first one, which is an event that takes place the week before the U.S. Open. It takes place in London. And then they thought when players tried to get the second release to play on something that was on the U.S. sort, sort of um, continental soil, that they would say no to that. To me, this seems like they're trying to... Uh, get to that head a little bit faster. And they're at the try, barricades. Yeah, and they're trying to say, we're going to flush you out. If you really want to hang on this, let's see what the court of public opinion is going to do. You already had Greg Norman a week back say, uh, the, the Phil comments, the, the real hurt was that it actually pushed a lot of players away from that league who were ready and had already signed non-disclosures. So maybe they're just trying to say, we see this coming, let's deal with it now. Even from a legal standpoint, we're going to lose. The players might just say they have more to lose in terms of the rest of their business, you know, sort of um, full experience. Golf and tennis are different. They're not leagues. They're individual players who are seeking fame and fortune and will go somewhere else to get it. Uh, And in golf, there are so many players who were not born and raised in the United States who have allegiances. You know, they're European guys play a lot of parts of the European tour. Asian guys play a lot of parts of the Asian tour. I mean, they're not here all the time. The PGA Tour would like them here all the time, but they're not here all the time. So there is, if I were a judge, a tradition in golf of branching out and not playing the 30 or 40 tournaments that the PGA Tour has. There, there's never been this kind of exclusivity. So I just don't know how, how, the league, how the PGA Tour can say, you're either with us all the time or 
I mean, they've already allowed people to go to the European tour. They've allowed people to go to the Asian tour. They've allowed people to go to the Canadian tour. There's so that, a that's billion the, tours. That's the Lee Westwood point, which is you've been granting players releases yeah. to go accept appearance money from these very places for years. There is a there is an actual precedent for that. And they've gone out of their, again, this is their argument, they've gone out of their way to to not try and counter-program your biggest events. So again, the problem with the tour is, and again, based on Norman's first go-round of this, which you have the WGCs, you have these other tiered events, they've created such a, a sort of a, grade, a graded area of what their calendar looks like, and then you get the wraparound to try and give more opportunities to rising players. And you start to look, it's really hard to try and get all those top players that you mentioned in one place at one time, because a lot of those guys don't want to play more than, say, 16 to 22 events a year. And if yeah. you take away four majors, it's hard to fill the calendar. And they've come up with different rules to try and encourage players to play in different cities and different spots. So we will. Uh, this one is going to be settled sooner rather than later, don't you think? Well, it has to be, because to, to even get the, the special release for the second event, it's it's got basically yeah. going to be the PJ Championship week. Yeah, which is next week. Yeah. All right. So we will take a break. Mark Feinsand of MLB. Joins us, MLB.com. That's right. right. Joins us when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. John Morant, the electric guard of the Memphis Grizzlies. Derek Rose played college ball in Memphis, had to forfeit a bunch of victories. Michael Jordan played against the Memphis Chicks when he was trying to crack the baseball scene. I'll be in Memphis opening up for the Who on May 13th. Go to Memphis, go to Memphis, go to Memphis. What? <laughs> saw his demise their king elvis started to rise a king without a queen kind of like james dean aretha singing chain of fools fields of green pull up them old jeans spray that pickup clean i'll be in memphis opening up for the who on may 13th That's Dan Byrne. <laughs> On this Friday, in two days, Dan Byrne's opening up for The Who. <laughs> the Who, one of the greatest rock and roll bands of all time, even with only two guys left, with yeah. Townsend and Daltrey left. Yeah. One of the greatest rock and roll bands of all time in Memphis at the FedEx Forum on May 13th. God, I hope he plays the snow cone shuffle. <laughs> Dan Byrne. He's going to do a, a rope and a yardstick. Rope and a yardstick. And Roger Daltrey's going to come out on stage and sing with him. <laughs> He's opening for The Who. That is just amazing. Fantastic. Yes. Plays in Mark Feinstein. Did you ever open for The Who? You didn't do no. that. I never did that. Uh, no, I think I, I sang with my, my high school chorus at Madison Square Garden, the national anthem once. That's about the closest I've ever gotten to opening for The Who. 
How about Dan Byrne playing with the Who? A guy uh, who know, writes sports songs for us. It, it's nice to see that other people are recognizing the genius of Dan Byrne, and it's not just the people on this show. Yes. Just fantastic. All right, if I'm the commissioner of baseball, and I look at the standings, and I see that my two New York teams, the Mets and the Yankees, and my two Los Angeles teams, the Dodgers and the Angels, are killing it right now, I'm pretty happy. Right, Mark? I'm pretty happy because that doesn't happen all the time. Well, it certainly doesn't happen all the time with one of the teams in New York, and it certainly doesn't happen all the time with one of the teams in Los Angeles. I think the one that has to have MLB the happiest right now is the Angels. Uh, You know, we've been talking for years about uh, Mike Trout's unbelievable career being wasted on a team that never gets to the playoffs. And for years we've been saying if they could only get some pitching, this is going to be a really good team. Well, guess what? looks like they finally have some pitching, and they're a really good team. And, uh, you know, the idea of Trout and Otani potentially being, uh, you know, on the national stage in the postseason is, is, uh, is a really exciting one. If by good pitching you mean a no-hitter by a rookie last night, Reed Detmers, <laughs> yes, I would say that was good pitching. And if by good pitching you mean Otani... Yes, I would say that that is good pitching. But let's take these four teams as a group now. The Dodgers and the Yankees have been at this a long time. They've been great. They spend a lot of money. They spend the money wisely. More times than not, they spend the money wisely. The Angels spent a lot of money in the last 10 years, right? A lot of money. And it has had no results. The Mets have had no results for a while. Spent a pile of dough last year. Didn't have any particular results. And it seems to be working for them. So who gets credit? Let's just talk about the Angels and the Mets. Mark, who gets credit for for what is a resurgence? Well, the Angels have spent a lot of money, and they haven't always spent it wisely. You think about Josh Hamilton. You think about Pujols, who was great, but, you know, the 10-year deal at his age, you knew the back end of that wasn't going to be great. Yeah. you know, they've had a few unfortunate things happen as well, but they just never have had the pitching. They tried to get Garrett Cole. He didn't sign there. They tried to get a bunch of other guys. They, you know, they, they instead of getting Cole, they went and signed Rendon, which is great except he can't pitch. Um, right. Although apparently he can hit left-handed, which who, who knew that? Uh, hit a home run last night left-handed. Um, but I think, you know, Perry Menezes and the GM gets a lot of credit for, uh, you know, going out and, and signing Noah Syndergaard and, uh, you know, signing Lorenzen. And, uh, and, and obviously, you know, you have to give Billy Epler, the Mets GM, a little of the credit for the Angels for recruiting Shohei Otani there. So, um, you know, I think, like I said, the fact that they can finally pitch and you look at their pitching staff, um, and it's not just Otani, right? You read Detmers as a first-round right. pick, and uh, obviously, you know, he was not necessarily having a great season this year in his rookie year. He actually hadn't completed more than five innings in a start before last night uh, until he went out and threw a no-hitter. So, uh, But you look at an Angels team that's top five in the AL and the ERA, and, and there's a reason that, combined with the fact that they've scored more runs than everybody else, uh, there's a reason that they have the record they do. The Mets... It's a very popular opinion to give Buck Showalter a lot, if not all the credit. And I think um, he deserves a lot of it because uh, that was a team that needed an adult in the room and nothing against Luis Rojas, who I think is a great baseball man, but he doesn't have the same command and the same gravitas that Buck Showalter does. So I give Buck a lot of credit, but at the same time, uh, Steve Cohen gets a lot of credit for giving Max Scherzer $43 million a year and for approving all of the other moves that they made and 
showing that money is not going to be an issue. Oh, Robinson Cano is not getting it done, and we need to make a move. All right, we'll eat the $25 million, and, you know, see ya. Thanks for everything. So uh, the Mets are in a position right now that they've not been in for many, many years, if ever, which is uh, they are every bit the financial powerhouse that the Yankees are. And uh, it'll be interesting come trade deadline time to see if there's a big player on the market, uh, which one of those teams goes out and gets them. There are leagues um, where it doesn't matter geographically who's doing what. The football league, the NFL is like that. If Kansas City plays in the Super Bowl, nobody says, oh, Kansas City's small town. Nobody says that. It doesn't matter. I think it probably does matter a little bit in in baseball, and I'm wondering if you think it matters in baseball. Well, I certainly think it matters uh, in terms of you know TV ratings, right? You're not going to get the yeah. same TV ratings for the Royals nationally that you will for the Yankees or Dodgers. Um, in terms of the excitement of the game, I don't know that it matters because we've seen Tampa Bay in a small market have some really exciting teams and, and yes. play some really good baseball. Uh, so it depends, I guess, what your what your objective is. Is it getting bigger ratings or is it having better games? Uh, the former, it certainly matters. The latter, I don't believe it does. <clears throat> Let's get to the games themselves. There's two things that everybody cares about. Are the games faster and is there more action? Is there anything after one month or month and a half of a season to indicate either way if this is happening? I haven't seen numbers on the times of games. I'm never so concerned about the times as I am about the pace, and I think that's where um, you know people confuse the two. It's the, it's the dead time. It's the the time between pitches, which is why I think you'll see a pitch yeah. clock next year. Uh, I think the shift is going to make or banning the shift, which I also believe will happen next year, will help as well. Because right now you've got a league that, as a whole, is hitting about two thirty. I think as of this morning at two thirty three was the league average. That's like historically low, and yeah. the fact that. Uh, it's great to celebrate a no-hitter by Reed Detmers, but Justin Verlander also had a no-hitter into the 7th or 8th last night. Nestor Cortez had a no-hitter into the 8th inning the night before. You're seeing a lot of these no-hitters into the 7th because nobody's getting hits. And so um, I just don't think uh, – I think there are still rules that can be – that can be changed and that are, you know, are likely to be changed that will, will help with that sort of quality of play. Um, because when you look at the game as a whole, the, the players have never been more athletic and more talented in the game than they are right now. Um, but, you know, the executives and the, and the managers have also gotten pretty smart. And with the use of the analytics, they've figured out how to stop a lot of those players strategically. So uh, I think some of these rule changes that will go into effect next year most likely should, should help that. I know you're right. I, I know that you're right that there's too many strikeouts and, and all of that. But the two games that jump out at me this year are the two six-run ninth-inning games. You know, what, what the Mets did to the Phillies and what happened to the White Sox by Cleveland the other night. I mean, those are the baseball games where you say, wow, look at that. They came back from six down in the ninth, both teams, right? Yeah, look, and, and when those happen, and, I, and I've covered many games, many games, I've covered a handful of games like that. I remember yeah. the Yankees coming back from, I think, seven or eight in the ninth inning against Texas. Um, it happens, and that's usually a bad closer is what happens. Mm. Um, you've seen a few of those in your, your years in Washington. Oh, absolutely. But I, I think... Uh, Carl Edwards you know, Jr. get out of town. Yeah. <laughs> I think when you look at last night's slate, for instance, you had, you had the six best teams in the American League all playing each other, 
which yeah. was pretty fascinating, right? You had the Yankees and Blue Jays, you had the Rays and Angels, uh, and you had the Astros and Twins. And, um, you know, to see these teams, uh, they're all a step above the others, and you're going to have the occasional hiccup like, like the ones you talked about. Um, but I, I just think, like, Aaron Judge hitting that walk-off home run last night, that was theater, right, against the Blue Jays sure. after there had been an ejection. And, uh, you know, I, I think overall – uh, there are too many strikeouts, and there are probably too many home runs, and there aren't. I think we've talked about this before. Theo Epstein uh, talked about the league did a, a poll last year, and the, the favorite plays of fans were doubles, triples, and stolen bases. And the three plays that had the biggest reduction in the game over the past five or ten years were doubles, triples, and stolen bases. So they're trying to get more action back on the field, and it makes sense because, uh, you know, the youth of America certainly doesn't want to sit there and watch nothing happen and no ball going to play and, and no hits and, um, you know, the occasional home run and, and 22 strikeouts. Are there any managers in trouble yet? Does is it, is anybody look around and say, well, I don't know what's going on there. Maybe we need to make a change because I can think of a couple of people, but I'm wondering, you're close to this. Is there any sense that any managers are in trouble? Not not early, not this early. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, if you look at some of the teams, and I'm, not, I'm taking teams like Baltimore or Cincinnati out of it because nobody thought they were going to yeah. be any good to begin That's with. Right. You know, Boston obviously off to a terrible start. Alice Cora is not going anywhere. Uh, right. Kansas City and Detroit off to bad starts. Mike Matheny and A.J. Hinch are not going anywhere. Um, so, you know, in the American League, I don't think so. I mean, Davey Martinez? No, I wouldn't think so. I don't so. think so. No, um, you know, so I don't think uh, I don't think anybody is is in trouble right now. Maybe one guy who might be in trouble of uh, having his head explode would be Joe Girardi because the Phillies have certainly gotten off to another poor start. This and, is who uh, I'm thinking of. I was thinking yeah. of Girardi because they've spent a lot of money. They got a really good everyday lineup. There's expectations there. They have sat in that division and watched the Nats win and the Braves win, and now it looks like they're going to watch the Mets win, and I wonder about his position. Yeah, I think the, the expanded postseason will, will leave him in, in the mix, I think. I mean, as bad as they are right now, 13-17, and 17, they're three and a half games out of a wild card spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, with, you know, almost five months to play. So uh, yeah. I don't think anybody's in trouble yet. But that said, if the Phillies have a uh, a terrible season overall and, and miss the playoffs again, uh, Dave Dombrowski is not going to be the one in trouble. It would certainly be Girardi who would potentially be on the hot seat there. It's great. Cause that's what I love about hockey. Wherever Lou Lamarillo goes, he fires somebody <laughs> as soon as he gets there. The moment he gets there, he that? fires the coach. He fires Trotz. You can't look. I don't know much about hockey, but you can't fire a guy who went to the Eastern Conference Finals two years in a row. Please can't Tony, do I'm, that. I am a huge Islanders fan, and I checked out of this season once they started out with like fifteen road games, and then all they, yes. had, they all had COVID. The arena but, wasn't ready. Yes, but. Last year and the year before, when they got to the conference finals against Tampa Bay and, and took that really tough Tampa team uh, you know, deep in those series both times, I, I was ready to pronounce Barry Trotz the greatest thing since Al Arbor. And all of a sudden, I see the news that he got fired. Because I had checked out this year, I really had no expectations that was going to happen. And I was like, whoa, Lou Lamarillo is just savage. He he really is. He was asked about it, and he said, did you consult uh, the players? He said, I don't have to consult any players. I do what I want to do. I do what I believe is best for this team. The statistic that totally blew me away, and I not in 100 years would I have said this, 
Barry Trotz has the third most wins of any coach ever. Ever. Oh. So, and, and you canned him. You, you, you canned him in, in a year where he had an impossible circumstance. His arena wasn't ready. The first 13 games were on the road, and then they had COVID. You're, you're right. So if you're an Islanders fan, like, you go nuts, right? You went nuts. You have to. Yeah, I, it, was, it was pretty stunning. But that said, lemorello has got a pretty good track record himself. Yes. So if I'm going to trust somebody, I guess I'm going to trust Lou. He has fired people in the playoffs. Nobody does that. He's fired coaches in the playoffs. So to me, if you're a hockey coach and your team hires Lou Lamarillo, just stop. Just quit. You're out. You're just going to be out. Mark, thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate it. I won't even. I won't force you to talk about the Nats last night. I won't do it. It's not. It's just not applicable anymore. <laughs> yeah, of all the things that happened in baseball last night, the Nats were not uh, high on my radar. They took Corbin out after five. Corbin had allowed three hits. No, he had his best outing of the year. They put in a guy. I'll just say this. I sent this to Chuck Todd last night. When you're wearing number 58, you're not going to be around a long time. (laughs) His ERA is now 27. It's his first major league appearance ever. Hmm. He allowed three earned. They were up to nothing. They end up losing the game. Number 58, see you around wherever you're going next. And you just go, well, what happened? Okay, Corbin had 82 pitches or whatever. But really, you took him out? Took him out? So, anyway, it's, it's minor on the scale. It's just major to me. Thank you, Mark. Mark Feinstein, boys and girls. We'll take a break. Tim Legler will join us. We'll talk a little bit about the NBA when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Everybody do the Gretzky twist, yeah! What? (laughs) What? Everybody do the Gretzky twist. Yeah. This is fun. <laughs> right, it is, isn't it? It's fun. <laughs> Sounds like something that the Shrimp Shack shooters <laughs> would have done. They would have done. Makes me miss my N64. Really like this. This is sent to us by Dave Schneider from the Macaroons, who says, I absolutely give the Tony Corners a show permission to play any song by the Levies, Macaroons, and the Zambonis. This is the Gretzky Twist. And normally, it would have played in Tim Legler to talk about um, the basketball games that are going on, the playoffs in the NBA. But Legler's on Get Up, 
twice this morning, and he's unavailable to us now. And we, look, I go back a long way with Tim Legler, back to the George Michael Full Court Press oh, show. That's I right, like yeah. Tim Legler very much, and he's always happy to be on the show. But the lesson learned here is that when somebody gives you a small window of opportunity, what they don't realize is that that window shrinks if a producer wants to talk to you or somebody else wants to talk to you. So we won't do this again. We'll have Legler back. And Legler will explain what happened, but we're not going to do what? He just texted me and said we could call him now. Do you want? Should we do that? Oh, that we can, for, if you want to do it right now. Yeah. Sean, okay. can you call him? But, if, but, sure if he ha, but then if he says, like, what time is it now in the real world? 8.22? 8.21. I'm, I'm back on at 8.30. You can call now. So. Well, so that's not a lot. And we're going to do it. But we're going to just talk about... But in the future, the lesson learned is when yeah. the window is small, we don't. Yeah, do this. you can't do it. It's yes. a great look behind the scenes. Yes. Oh, this is how the sausage is made, everyone. Yeah. So, in other words, you were texting him because his phone went to voicemail. Yes. Right. And I believe he's with us. Tim is there. Is th- All right. Are you with us, to- cause- Tony? I am. I am with you. I am with okay. you. Always with you in spirit, of course. But now, actually, physically with you. We were watching you on TV, and then when they went to baseball, I said, well, Legler's off now, so call him now. And then we went to voicemail three or four times. And yeah, I was explaining you know to people. I didn't know the well, number. I didn't recognize the number. I thought, it was, I, thought it was, I thought it was a spam call. I didn't know what the number was. That's the problem. Okay, so what I said to people is sometimes this happens. If you have a television hit and you've done television, you have a next hit in, in a half hour or in just a few minutes, sometimes a producer wants to talk to you. And television's yep. paying you a lot more than a lot more than the Tony Kornheiser podcast is paying you because we're paying you nothing. So I <laughs> well, utterly that, understand that, that all the too. time. Yeah, you know, that was happening too. Actually, I was yeah. actually in a conversation with about the next segment when the phone was ringing. Yes, you're right. And that and that makes all the sense in the world. If you were done for the day, nobody would talk to you. You'd, you'd come back the next day. But if you're gonna if if they program it so you're on, so let me shut up about this and let me just get to something. That happened last night. Both number one seeds were at home in game fives, and they killed. Phoenix won by 30. Miami won by 40. These were utter non-games on every single level. You played um, a game five. You're running out of time, and if you go home and you lose that, you're going to lose the series, right? So, I mean, there's an urgency that you may not have felt before. Oh, no question. And the other thing is you feel, you should feel, and I, that's why what Philadelphia did last night is just completely inexplicable to me because they weren't ready to play. I mean, right. It's one thing to get outplayed, and I, that's what happened to Dallas. And they actually hung in there for a half, and then Phoenix hit them with a barrage in the third quarter, and that was that. And, look, if Luka's not the best player on the floor on a given night, they can't win, and Devin Booker right. was better last night. But in Philly – Miami situation, Philadelphia just showed up flat, unengaged, and this is their own words. Not engaged, not enough energy. I don't know how that happens, Tony, when you've got a chance. If you can just get yourself into a one-possession game in that situation and somehow win the game, you have your one shot left at home to close the series out when you go back to Philadelphia. So to be that bad. In a moment like that, really head-scratching, people in Philadelphia are just furious about what they watched last night. I, I totally understand that. And by the way, one of the things I thought about, having watched much of that game last night till I gave up on it, was I think we really, as a group of people, we underrate Eric Spolstra and his career. 
and what he has done without LeBron, what he has done without, not counting what he's done with him. You know what I'm, do, do you agree with that, that he's the most, one of the more underrated guys? Oh my gosh, without question. I, I think yeah. going back to even the first couple of years with LeBron and D-Wade and Chris Bosh, I was, I've been saying it since, and I don't think I've ever changed in saying he's top five without a doubt in my mind, maybe even like top three. If you ask me to take one guy to win one game with any group of players, he might be my pick to, to, to coach that game. And I thought it even, you know, people were overwhelmed with the talent that he had. I was watching what they were running, their, their, the, the, the balance and the movement and the spacing and the timing of what they were running on offense. That's coaching. That's not just great players showing up, rolling the ball out and, and going yeah. and beating people. That was his stamp on it, and he never got credit for it because of the talent that he had on his roster. And I always thought it was unfair. Um, and I think, I think most people understand who this guy is. He's incredibly bright and a great communicator. And the guys that play for him love him. Yeah, I mean, and the Philadelphia thing, I thought Philadelphia was going to win last night. They had won two in a row. Embiid seemed to be the magic tonic. Harden had gotten better. And I looked at both teams and I said, yeah, they're going to win. And to lose like that... That is, you've been on teams that have lost, maybe not in playoffs like that, but I'm sure every, every player has been on a team that lost by 40. Like, you just can't wait to get out of the gym, right? You don't know what yeah, to do. I mean, yeah, and I just said this on, uh, on Get Up a second ago. I actually, this is a true story, I, I, I grabbed dinner last night right before the game, right across the street from the hotel, and I had my dog with me. He travels with me sometimes. So I grabbed cool. dinner. It took a little longer than I thought, and I ended up walking him real quick, and we get up to the room, I got into the room with six minutes left in the first quarter, and the game was over. And my dog wasn't even interested in watching the game. I was surprised because he likes to watch with me usually. Now, he was very locked into the first half of the Dallas-Phoenix game, but I could not get him to pick his head up from his bully stick to watch any of that game. It was basically over. Yeah, he knew. He knew there was a loser. <laughs> that was a loser game. So, I mean, everybody wants to tell you, and by everybody, I mean Wilbon, how deep the NBA is and how any team can win and any of the first 16 or 18 teams can be champions. But what we've got now is two ones are up three to two over two fours. And we got a two three tied and a two three where Golden State is up. It seems. I'm not saying it's not fun. I'm saying it seems like it's going to turn out, Tim, to be as predictable as it always is. That's interesting. Yeah, you're, you're probably certainly in the West. I mean, I, for me, you know, once, once Clay Thompson started to get back to 100% physically and the emergence of Jordan Poole, I've been saying now for a couple of months, I think Golden State's winning the whole thing. I don't know that I'm in the majority on that. I think most people still feel it's going to be Phoenix. A lot of people are jumping on Boston now. So I think in the West, yes. I think we saw Golden State, Phoenix all year as the two best teams. In the East, he ended up number one seed. But I thought it was a razor-thin margin between Miami, Milwaukee, Boston, Philly. And then we didn't really know. Like Brooklyn was this huge X factor. Obviously, they completely fell apart. But so Miami, yeah, no no one's going to be shocked if they get through this series. The other one, I think that's where the debate, the greatest argument debate comes into play. Um, you know, and obviously it could be different if Middleton was playing. I still think Giannis is good enough, great enough, not good enough, great enough to, to get this win against Boston and have a chance to end this thing in six games. I have so much faith in his physical and mental toughness. It would not shock me if he has a, a game for the ages tonight in Boston. 
Let me, all right, let me just throw one thing at you with that series, and I think Antetokounmpo should have been the MVP. I think his game against Embiid in the last game they played, Antetokounmpo blocked his shot at the end, had better statistics, and won on the road. I think he's the MVP. I don't think Jokic is the MVP. But the strategy appears to be, if I'm reading correctly, the Boston strategy appears to be, let Giannis tire himself out so he doesn't beat our brains out in the last three minutes. And that seems to have worked. I mean, I think you'd agree, Tim, that yeah. Boston probably should have won the last three. They probably I'll should have won the last three games. Because uh, they're calling me for more TV, but you're right. I think he did look gassed at the end of that game. He's getting a lot of physical yep. contact he's playing through, and they wore him out. But I don't think that, that adds up game by game. It's not cumulative. That's, that's, every game is specific to that. So th- he could get wire to wire tonight and have that stamina and find that, uh, that extra reserve in his tank he could not find the other night. All right, go, go, go make money. We're not paying you. Go make money. We'll talk to you down the road. Tim Legler, boys and girls. All right, Tony. Yeah. I mean, I was going to uh, – these are the topics I was going to discuss if I had to discuss them by myself anyway. But that was nice, and now people see what happens. And we love Legler. We do. But, you know, if television is yeah, it's is a stern mistress. Yes. I mean, you got to do it. Yeah, you and gotta rigid, do it. rigid time frames. Yeah. yeah. I will say this. Yeah, because Had, television is not like us. <laughs> like, if you, the show starts at 8.30 and you're not there, you know, yeah. you gotta, something's got to go on. How great was it that he travels with his dog? His dog, I love that. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. I want to find out more about that the next time we talk. Do a whole segment about the dog. <laughs> yes. That's good. Yes. All right, we'll take a break. We'll have email and jingle when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony's mailbag Got your emails, faxes And your notes Here comes Tony's mailbag We're gonna read some For all of you folks Love <laughs> David Dallabrita, thank you so much Nigel, you want to do the Bethesda Bagels ad? I'm happy today. Got the bagel sandwiches today. Happy. Yes, that was a great start to the day. Uh, Bethesda Bagels, we love them. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in, and you'll be thrilled. And as Mick Jagger once said, if you ever plan to motor west, take my way. It's the highway. That's the best. Get your kicks on Route 66. Well, it winds from Chicago to L.A. More than 2,000 miles all the way. Get your kicks on Route 66. I think Bobby's short was the first guy who did that song, but I know Mick Jagger did it. Nat King Cole. Okay, I, I know Mick Jagger did yes, it. Yes, yeah. yes. Thanks to our guest today, Mark Feinsand, and at the last minute, Tim Legler. <laughs> and you all heard that. Uh, thanks to today's sponsors, Sunday Progressive and X-Chair. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. It's graduation season. Go check out uh, johnnyo.com and use the code TKTRAP. Be like me and try putting out of the trap, Dad. <laughs> so I would Look say up those this. Calcutta shorts. They're awesome. I went. Um, I was in a trap at number four yesterday, three shots, and just said, stop. okay, stop. Stop. Did you try the teacup method? I just I tried everything. Did I you just, try the putter? 
I did not try the butter. <laughs> I did not. From Mike Pennell or Pennell at the U.S. Embassy in Khartoum, named Khartoum. for a horse in Sudan. <laughs> I tried to impress my wife, who always makes a gagging motion when I mention this show, last week by telling her that someone from outer space had emailed the show. Outer space, she asked incredulously. Yes. I replied, expressing pride in the research of your audience. So we sent him all the way to outer space, she replied, and he doesn't have anything better to do. I'm still working on that one. The implication <laughs> means that I was in outer space. Note, this will be our last dispatch from the banks of the Nile River. I'm heading out next week for the banks of the lovely Euphrates River at our embassy in Baghdad. Okay. wish We, we wish him luck. We yes. wish everybody there luck. Uh, from Tom. Hey, Tony, I listened to your Friday podcast while mowing the yard. Okay. Thank you for the update. Thank you. From Mark Schaefer, my dog is 13 today. Congratulations and happy birthday. Maybe your dog should meet Legler's dog (laughs) and go to hotels. From Buck in Gansevoort, New York. I think that's upstate. I usually sneeze in threes. Eat it, Gus. (laughs) So does Liz. I see some fives. Always threes. Fives. Wow. Uh, From Michael Barron, I would like you to join myself and Bruce Levinson for a round of golf at Lakewood Country Club this Thursday at 1210. I know this might interfere with PTI. Just tell (laughs) Wilbon to get Phil and Frank to replace you. I figure you can talk all about your toaster with Bruce during the round. If you cannot make it, then the other Kornheiser can join us. Michael, I am the person who built the Knack Stadium out of Legos. If you cannot make this time, I have an open invitation for you to join me one day at Lakewood. Hope you enjoyed your Father's Day present playing golf on Mother's Day. Um, I, I missed this day. Give this to Michael so he can get back to this. I didn't play golf on Mother's Day because it was terrible. Yeah, it was awful It was conditions. freezing, and I would have had to walk, and I can't walk 18 anymore. But thank you for this. From Josh Cohn in Bryn Mawr, Pennsylvania. Is it odd that my first thought when waking up today was if the weather would be nice enough for Tony to play golf on Mother's <laughs> Day? Thank you for all the concerns. From Kurt Johnson in Warland, Wyoming. I eat an entire 24-ounce large curd cottage cheese at least twice a week when I come home for lunch. I eat it with salt and pepper and so much garlic powder that my girlfriend gets up and goes to the bedroom and closes the door. I always grin, go back to work, and try to talk to my coworkers as close to their faces as possible. From John Fitzpatrick in Arvada, Colorado. I hope it's Arvada and not Arveda. I recently completed my relocation from the D.C. area to Colorado. I'd like to thank Nigel and Michael and the crew for getting up two hours earlier on show days so I can get the show before 7 a.m. Lord knows you've already been up for hours in any case. I missed the chance to stroll over to the PTI studios from work, but I left the White House and you've been in the attic, so like your hair and your cape, those days are behind us. Shout out to Bonnie and my best everyone. This is our great friend, John Fitzpatrick. Love, John. Who worked at the White House, and I didn't know he was going to Colorado. Arveda or Arvada? From Rick Van Sosa in Franz Franzosa in Cincinnati. Back in the 70s when I was single, I used to ride Amtrak coast to coast to see the country and visit friends. Once on a trip back from California to Connecticut, I took the long way across the southern border of the United States. After an overnight stay in New Orleans, specifically Bourbon Street, I woke up on the train somewhere in Mississippi. Even with my head pounding and my brain fuzzy when the conductor asked me for my ticket, I thought, this guy looks familiar. In fact, he looked like Ron Guidry. The guy that later would win the Bucky F. Dent game that Nigel and I remember so well. <clears throat> I looked at his Amtrak name badge. My eyes widened when I saw the name Gidry. I asked her, you? And before I could finish my sentence, he said with a grin, that's my son. <laughs> that's amazing. From Joe in Gothenburg, Nebraska. While listening to a show last week during one of your sponsorship reads, you were talking about how your listeners multitask while listening to the show. Examples were given like driving a car or grocery shopping. As that played in my AirPods, I was literally standing in the middle of a cornfield in central Nebraska rolling out a 75-foot-long explosive device. We place these devices 
down large diameter wells to rehabilitate them for better water production. Bet no one can top that for multitasking <laughs> while listening to your show. Thanks for the many years of listening while working on livestock, windmills, or repairing an irrigation well or a customer's house well. Your show has been played many hours in the pastures and fields over the last 15 years. Can I be the official water well contractor of the Tony Kornheiser Show? Joe Richardson. Sure. Yes. Sure. Position filled. From Rabbi Willie Balk in Englewood, New Jersey. My apologies. I just wanted to let you know that Esty and I got married on March 2nd, 2014, and we wanted to let all of you know your presence was sorely missed. Now, how about a revolution toast? <laughs> You're a little late on that one. A little late on that one. From Ron St. Amant, who's emailed us for years and years and yes. years from Toronto. Wait a sec. <clears throat> on Friday's show, Michael recounted taking the boys to the golf tournament and said he enjoyed watching them roll down a hill eating goldfish. When did Bootsy and the Hammer start pledging Delta Talk Chai or Kai? I mean, sure, Otis Day and the Knights play your toga parties, but you're always on double secret probation. Take it from me, boys. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life. And from Nick in Houston, Texas. Heard the guy email about hooking you and the crew up with free shoes since he works there. Made me think maybe I can help out, too. As we all know, gas isn't cheap right now. Well, I work for an oil and gas company. I thought, hey, maybe Tony would like some free crude oil. Let me know. I'll send a barrel over. You'll have to arrange your own refining, though. That's not my department. If you're out, that's great. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. I wish one of your guys had children if I could kick them in the head or stomp on their testicles so you could feel my pain because that's the pain I have waking up every day. Oh, Mike. Mike. <laughs> John Morant, the electric guard of the Memphis Grizzlies. Derrick Rose played college ball in Memphis, had to forfeit a bunch of victories. Michael Jordan played against the Memphis Chicks when he was trying to crack the baseball scene. I'll be in Memphis opening up for the Who on May 13th. Go to Memphis, go to Memphis, go to Memphis. It was there Martin Luther saw his demise. Their King Elvis started to rise. A king without a queen, kind of like James Dean. Aretha singing Chain of Fools, Fields of Green. Pull up them old jeans, spray that pickup clean. I'll be in Memphis opening up for the Who on May 13th. I don't mind other guys dancing with my Everybody do the Gretzky twist! 
do the Gretzky twist. Yeah.